My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Britt here today with a very exciting guest, Candy Messer. She is a profitability and growth advisor, author, speaker, and the host of Biz Help For You podcast. She helps overwhelmed entrepreneurs with things they have to do in the business, but don't particularly love doing them, such as bookkeeping, payroll, sales tax filings, that kind of thing. So she removes this burden for these entrepreneurs who um, probably don't even have the time to do it. So you guys, uh, she's also been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. Uh, she started out as an individual and now she has built team and works remotely in five states. So Candy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. How's it going? It's great. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. Oh, my pleasure. It's an honor to have you on. So now I know I kept my part very brief, but I think this is the perfect time to kind of elaborate and tell us about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, I never intended to be a business owner. Uh, What happened is somebody knew what I did. So at the time I was a full charge bookkeeper for a publishing company, which meant I handled everything related to finance start to finish. And her husband had a business and she said, please help me. I hate reconciling. I don't mind paying the bills. I don't mind invoicing the customers, but that part of the business, I just hate. (laughs) So she begged me for months and I finally relented. And then I want to do everything legally too. So I had to get a business license and a home operating permit and, you know, buy software and all of these. And I was like, this doesn't make sense to only make a little bit of money from this one client and have all these expenses. I won't even be profitable really. And so I had to get a few more clients right on the side of my real job, quote unquote, real job. Right. And kind of, as they say, the rest is history, right? I I started working with a couple clients. Then my husband, after about a year and a half said, quit your job, do your own business. You're good at it. People love you. And you want to have more time to focus on that. So that was, you know, back in, so 2002, I started helping the first person 2004. I left my job 2005. I ended up opening an office 2006. I hired my first employee and, you know, now here we are. Incredible. I love it. So, I mean, you have a lot of value to add to today's show about us uh, and particularly financing and stuff like that, finances, taxes, that kind of thing. So I think where we should start off with the topic area is, you know, business owners make a few mistakes, you know, we all do, but how, how would you advise them to avoid making mistakes such as, you know, not getting proper licenses, not paying taxes and fees on a timely matter, not charging um, proper sales tax, that kind of thing. Please take the stage and, and just dive right sure. in. Right. There's so much to cover that we don't have enough time today. So I'm just going to give a real quick overview and just know what some of the typical mistakes are. So the first one is, you know, not having the proper license. Like I just said, when I first started, I had to have a business license and a home operating permit, you know, depending on the industry, you may need some other licenses and permits. 
So if you're not getting those, and then these agencies come to you and say, like, you didn't do this on time, now you have to pay the fee and a penalty, right? And so a lot of people say, well, I didn't know that I had to have that. Well, it doesn't matter, right? They're going to say you should have, you need to research and investigate. So look at your city requirements, your county requirements, your state requirements, and the federal to make sure that you're meeting all of those requirements. Another thing that people miss is estimated tax payments. So if you think of as an employee, you have a paycheck and taxes come out when you have those paychecks and then your employer pays that basically to the IRS or your state so that you're paying your tax as you're going along through the year. Well, as employers uh, of ourselves, right, you know, our own business, we're not always on payroll. And so we're not having those taxes coming out. And so we're supposed to make estimated tax payments throughout the year. So generally April, June, September, and January, you're supposed to be paying in your portion of the tax that you owe. And so if you don't, once again, you end up with these surprises where you get the notice that says you have a penalty because you didn't pay or on your tax return, once it's filed, they come to you and say, well, you didn't pay enough on time. So now you have this late payment penalty which comes as a surprise oftentimes. And as small business owners, all of these make a huge impact on our cash because we expect to have this available for our operating costs and now you have to pay you know, to the government. So those are a couple of the big ones. Sales tax has become an issue over the last few years. It used to be if you sell a product outside of your state, you don't have to collect tax. Well, that has changed depending on how many transactions you have or how much you're doing in a state. So you may have to collect in multiple states as well. So like I said, there's too much to go into to explain all of that right now, but businesses have to know, even if you're selling online, you may have to collect you know, that sales tax. It's not just if you have a brick and mortar and someone comes to you and you sell a tangible product. So really look into everything that applies for you and those states might even have different things like in California, digital product often isn't taxable, but in Tennessee it is, right? So figuring out what all of those requirements are. Thank you for covering that for us today. Now, how do you better understand financial information to make these business decisions like, or, or to start to make better business decisions? The first thing is to make sure you're doing your bookkeeping timely, whether you are or you're having it done by a professional. A lot of times people think, you know, I'm so busy. I wear 25 hats running my company and my CPA doesn't need my information until, you know, January, February, March of next year. So I could put it off. Well, if you do that, you cannot make any changes using the information you have. So having it done at least on a monthly basis, you can look at, well, what was my income? What have I spent? Is there a category where that number seems high, you know, compared to what I brought in for revenue? Does it make sense to be spending that much? You know, is there an expense that maybe I'm paying for consistently that I forgot about, right? If you sign up for a free trial and they're like, give your credit card number and in 90 days we'll bill you if you don't cancel and you forget to cancel. If you're not looking at your bank statements, six months down the line, you finally realize like, oh, I've been paying for something I haven't even been using, right? And so if you're doing those financial reports every month and reviewing the information, then you can see if you need to make some changes. And 
What do I need to do to increase revenue if my profit isn't where I want it to be? You know, what can I maybe reduce my expenses on? Can I reduce my phone plan? I don't need unlimited maybe, or I don't need to have Hulu and Netflix, right? Or whatever that is um, for your business or you personally. Make those changes to improve the cash that you have. And then make those plans to put savings away. A lot of people do not plan for the future. And of course, when the pandemic hit, that made you know a real big impact too for those who really didn't plan ahead and didn't have the cash flow. But even in good times, you should be putting money away and saving for those unexpected costs. Love this. So tell me what your best method is for, you know, um, attracting your ideal clients, um, working with them to remove these burdens for them, people who are ready to take the action to, you know, in invest in this to make sure everything's up to date. And, you know, they're like, Oh, I see the value in this. I need you right now. What is your client acquisition process like? Well, we have people who find out about us multiple ways. One, the CPA who is trying to do taxes and the paperwork is a mess and they're just really frustrated, right? So then they might tell their customer, you need to have a bookkeeper who can help you organize everything, send us the financial reports um, and other professionals too. Maybe there's a business banker who their customer needs a loan and they don't have their profit and loss in place or a financial advisor who's, you know, letting them know that they might need to have some guidance, you know, with their business information. Um, but one of the things that I did that has brought in quite a few clients even was one time, even on my own podcast, I had explaining the employer retention tax credit and the difference between that and the PPP, the paycheck protection, you know, the loans that were available and explaining you now can have both. It used to be you had to pick one or the other. And after I shared that podcast, somebody commented and said, can you explain how to claim this credit? And I was like, sure, why not? Right. So I did a how-to video. I literally did step-by-step. Step. If you want to do this on your own, here's how you do it. And then of course the regulations have changed over time. And so I had to create another how-to video and another how-to video, but I basically put it out there to let them do it on their own. But once again, when you're dealing with the IRS, a lot of people are nervous about, I'm going to do this wrong. I might get audited. And so even though I told people how to do it step-by-step step, and they could do it on their own at no cost, no professional needed, a lot of people have reached out and said, will you please help? Because I don't want to make a mistake and I just would prefer to pay. And thankfully, you know, we have had a lot of people come to us for that, even just with me offering that information for free. Um, and one of the benefits for using us too, is we just do a fixed fee where a lot of the aggressive companies out there that are sending, you know, those emails and texts and phone calls, they're taking up to 30, 35% of the credit even. So mm. I'm able to help people at a reasonable rate, give them the cash flow they need because as small business owners, right, they were affected, the cash flow is tight. So by helping them with this, they're getting cash in their pocket. And I've been able to even get more out there in the world through people finding out about my podcast, writing questions on these. I have questions almost every day, actually on those videos that I'm able to respond to and help them as well. So I think that was great. I didn't intend to even have that happen. And <laughs> here's, here's how it worked, you know? So that was great. You, you touched the spot about the podcast now, like, where is that at? Where, where is it at today? Like, let, let's dive sure. into the topic with the podcast. And I mean, the intentions behind it, and then 
I, I know you touched on it a bit, but if you could dive into that, I'd love to hear how, how it all started and how it got to where it is. Sure. Once again, I never intended to actually be a podcast host either, just like I never intended to be an entrepreneur. Um, but what happened was somebody from Voice America, which was the internet radio, had found me on LinkedIn and said, I love the content that you're sharing. Would you consider turning that into a show? And at first I was like, I'm not sure. <laughs> like I want to do that, right? I'm actually an introvert and having a live show, it was an hour long live at the time. Um, and I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen, right? I might not be that great, but I'm going to share information. Like my whole goal with what I do is educate entrepreneurs, help them be successful. Too many businesses start and fail. And so if I can share expertise with them and interview others who can share their expertise, you know, I'm giving value to those. And so maybe I'm not perfect, but it's okay. Right. So I did it through Voice America for about 15 months. And then my husband had been telling me for a while, you know, you really should do video and post it on YouTube. That's one of the search engines people use. And Voice America is great. You're getting a lot of, you know, people to find you, but maybe do it on your own. And so we did. And I started that in November of 2020, I believe it was, um, that we shifted and then began it on my own. So now you can find it on YouTube. And of course it's on the, all the podcast platforms as well. Um, but again, I just continued and we recently celebrated 250 episodes. I've actually recorded, a, you know, more than that because we're scheduling a little bit later than we record. So I think we've up to this point recorded 275 episodes. So I was really excited to have kept on and thought the main goal is share that information, help them be successful. And here we are. Love it. This is incredible. Now tell me what you would um, say. I mean, you're very successful, successful entrepreneur yourself. Like, do you see any common traits within other hyper successful entrepreneurs? what would you say? Is it a more, is it a morning routine? Is it, um, <laughs> going to the gym? Is it uh, meditating? Tell me, tell me what your thoughts are behind it. Well, I think if you have a goal, right. And you know, I want to achieve this goal. And especially if someone is dependent upon you, right. I have a family, you know, and my kids are grown now, but I, you know, married, my husband and I are dependent on the business. I have staff that is dependent on the business. And so even if you wake up in the morning and you're like, ah, I really don't feel like getting up today <laughs> and working, you know, I have people dependent on me and I have things that I've already set. And so for me, I'm achievement oriented and I want to make sure that I'm accomplishing the goals that I have set for me. So that would, is what works for me. Other people may find having that morning routine or whatever that looks like for them is what they need. So I think finding what works for you is what is going to be the most important. So if it's setting a goal, if it's, you know, planning a dream, you know, and putting it on the calendar and setting a specific date that you're going to accomplish it. So when those times hit, cause we all have it where we don't always want to get up and have to work. Right? Uh, and if you do that for too long, you're not going to be successful. Um, but again, it also comes to financial, like too many businesses are started with a dream, but not enough capital. Right. And so if you don't have information and you don't know how to plan some of those things, like get some professional assistance too, because nobody wants to see you fail. But if you don't have the operating capital to be able to manage the business, uh, then 
it can become a very tough thing. So a lot of times I recommend if you're already working, like what I did, I didn't even intend, like I said, to be a business owner. I had a real job, but I started on the side. So I wasn't completely dependent on my own income from the business. And I was also then able to decide who I wanted to work with. So if someone just starts a business, especially like during COVID, people were laid off or, you know, they had to find something. They felt like I have to take anyone who comes along, which may not be your ideal customer and it may cause you frustration. And then when you have that person you don't enjoy working with for whatever reason, whether it's personality or it's the task you have to do, that's when you're like, I don't want to get up in the morning and work with them, right? So if you can choose who you're working with, the type of tasks that you're doing with them and finding those ideal customers, you're going to enjoy it so much more. 100%. Love this. You know, Candy, I wanted to like ask you a few other questions here um, advice-wise. So with those who back to the capital thing who are really wanting to, you know, dive into the business and everything, what would be your biggest piece of advice? Would it be to get a mentor, get someone, a coach to, to, to work with them before diving into anything, if they don't have the amount of capital that they need to run the business, tell us your biggest piece of advice for anyone who might be listening in that position. Well, a lot of times when people are starting a business, they go to friends and family to get an investment as well. So I'm going to say, if you can avoid that, try to avoid that because too many relationships get broken because of different expectations. They think they're going to get paid back within a certain period of time and don't understand, you know, how much time it may take for you to actually become profitable. And often friends and family they've invested also feel that they can tell you how to run your business or you should be doing this. So if you can avoid that, you know, I would say, look at other options. Can you look in an SBA loan, a bank loan, you know, outside investment that maybe isn't friends and family? If it is friends and family, though, when you're starting out, I would still have a written agreement that specifies what is expected, you know, of both parties. And, you know, I'm going to be able to pay back within five years at this percent and pay so much per month or you know, specifying again, how much input that person can have, you know, in the company, they're not really part of the company per se, you know, and so they may feel though, that they can tell you, you should be marketing here, or you should be doing this, but specifying really how much input or none at all, you know, that they have. So everyone's on the same page and that will prevent some of the broken relationships that I have seen. Um, And if there's partnerships, have operating agreements again. Like I've seen some partnerships fail that they're, you know, best friends. We love each other. We know what we're going to do, but then someone's thinking, well, I'm working more. I've put more money in and then it just kind of ruins everything. So even if you're best friends, it's your parent, everything should be in writing. 100%. I'm so glad you mentioned that, you know, um, because I've not too long ago, I was about to do a partnership and do some investing with some family members. And I'm really glad I didn't, um, you know, because I don't want any relationship to change if we don't agree on the same things, you know, and if we do, if something changed in the future that we do start to invest together or anything, definitely, definitely have a written agreement. (laughs) I've also seen so many bad things. And you know what, that might be where my limiting beliefs are. Like, why I don't want to invest with friends and family because I've seen all the bad things. But I mean, if you have something in writing, that's very legit and, um, it can make a big difference, but Mm -hmm. 
for sure. Exactly. The other tip on that too, I would say, be willing to pay for professional help, an actual business attorney or whatever. Don't just try to do it on your own. You want to make sure that you're following all the guidelines of your state as well. Um, and some people try to save and say, I don't want to you know, spend money on that. But there are times it's definitely better to pay more for the actual professional assistance and trying to do things on your own. hundred percent. And it can save you a lot of time and money in the long run. <laughs> mm-hmm. Candy, this has been amazing. I just want to give you the next couple of minutes here to talk about anything we didn't have a chance, any bits and pieces you want to share still with the audience and myself. And then of course, the best way to reach out to you for anyone looking to get someone to do their bookkeeping, their taxes, uh, what would be the best way to connect? Sure. Well, I would say, first of all, my website is abandp.com. It's short for affordable bookkeeping and payroll. And again, you can find us on YouTube and podcast channels. If you want to connect with me directly, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, But I would definitely say one, you know, kind of final tip too, is to understand that there's a difference between cash flow and profit. And so looking at your bank and that balance doesn't mean you don't have any, you know, profit. And a lot of people make the mistake of thinking they're not going to owe any tax because they don't have money in the bank. So understanding that is super important. So if you are confused on the difference between cash flow profit, you don't understand some of the words that are used in accounting, I do have a free resource that's a guide to financial lingo. You could reach out to us. My email address also for the company is contact at abandp.com. So if you reach out, we can send you a link for that. But it's important to really understand your finances, even if you don't do it, understand what the numbers mean and you know have a conversation with your bookkeeper, whether that's us or someone else that you use. Um, but we're happy to help if you need bookkeeping or payroll, sales tax, 1099s, all that fun compliance. <laughs> we're here to help. Incredible. Thank you so much, Candy, for coming on today and adding so much value, not only to just myself, but my entire audience. Uh, I really enjoyed the time with you today. Well, I enjoyed chatting with you too. Thank you. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur, please go to top100interview.com. If you'd like to come on, just like Candy did today and talk about a little bit about your story, your podcast, your business, and um, teach us something unique today, go to top100interview.com. Thank you so much. Bye guys. Catch you in the next episode. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.